Good morning. This is Richard Shu, host of Shoe Untie. Today, I'm very pleased to have with me as my guest, Kathy Vidal, a partner at Winston & Strawn. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Kathy, uh, you obviously have a very illustrious career in IP, IP litigation. Tell me a little bit about how you got started with that and what drew you to that to begin with. So, I think, well, actually, it dates back to when I was seven. And, uh, <laughs> very good place to start. <laughs> so, everything starts when you're seven. So, when I was seven, I wanted to be a pro baseball player or a lawyer. And I remember asking my parents to take me to the library to get books because I thought if I start reading cases now, I can be a really good lawyer by the time I get older. (laughs) Needless to say, they took me to the library and had me get a book on Babe Ruth. So (laughs) so I was derailed for for years and and, uh, behind for years. And then in high school, I was really encouraged to go into sciences as as a woman. I was told that going into engineering and sciences would be very valuable because there weren't as many women in that field. And I was interested in everything. So I thought, okay, if that's a, a better fit, then, then I'll do that because it interested me, like I said, like, like everything else. And then I went to school, started college at 16 as a mathematical physics major and really spent the next eight to 10 years, or maybe more eight years, focused on technology. Um, got a master's and bachelor's in double E, worked at General Electric, did aircraft design. Wow. And, and really just, I, I focused more on technology, which I loved. And then at some point, I realized that in the career I was in, there were, there were two paths. One path was to go into management, which I was doing through GE's management training program. And the other path was to really specialize mm-hmm. and you know, have a, a technical niche, if you will. Um, and so, and I did at that time, I was doing fuzzy logic and neural networks, but, but both of those were not as interesting to me. You know, I love technology, but I didn't want to just study one area of technology. And so going the more technical route didn't make sense. Going the management route was actually taking me away from technology and more into to people skills. So that just made me rethink my career. And at that point, I reflected on what I really wanted to do with my life from the beginning and decided to go to law school. And did you know much about intellectual property at that point when you first went into law school? Was that the reason you went to law school or not necessarily? So I did talk to the lawyer at GE and I did know about intellectual property. But once I went to law school, so th- that lawyer said, don't focus on IP. Uh, that lawyer said, go to the best law school you can get into. Mm-hmm. And if you can get into a top 10 school, go. Mm-hmm. If not, do a different career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, just one person's advice. Um, so I ended up getting into Penn. And when I went to Penn, IP was not a focus at all. They had a 1.5 credit course that Herb Schwartz taught. He, he came, do you remember? Herb came down from, uh, from New York and taught this course. And, and I was actually told, I, was, I ended up being editor-in-chief of my law review, and I was told that patent law was vocational, hmm. that it was not something that, you know, people from Penn, especially the editor-in-chief, should aspire to. Hmm. So I took that to heart, and I thought, well, maybe, that's, maybe it's too simple and maybe it wouldn't be interesting. But when I applied for clerkships, I ended up applying across the board, and I had clerkship interviews lined up with the Second Circuit, and with I went to an interview with Judge Ellis in the Eastern District of Virginia, and then I had clerkship opportunities at the Federal Circuit, and my first offer happened to be at the Federal Circuit. Mm. So that's really what gave me the first real exposure to mm. patent law, mm. and I loved it. Mm. You know, clerking on the Federal Circuit for Judge Shaw 
made me realize this is this is really what I want to do. I really I find it very interesting. Mm. I love the different technologies. Mm. You know, maybe from a legal standpoint, mm. the law is not maybe as as interesting or diverse as con law or or other areas of law. But when you combine that with the technology, it really gave me everything I wanted in mm. a career. So was it kind of almost like love at first sight? Just fell into it, it as like instantly like wow, this you is know, what I want to do. It was it was in in part because of the technology and in part because I love grammar as well. And I and I remember looking at claims and some of the issues related to the grammar of the claims, where the comma was. Yeah, right. And I just thought, wow, this is a great combination of my the stuff I love that's more left brain mm. and the science and technology and the stuff that's more right brain like the advocacy and the you know d- the way you phrase something either in the claim itself or in the briefs mm. you're looking at good briefs and not mm. so good briefs mm. um, so I, I thought it was a really great combination of the two that's a great story well tell me a little about your you've had obviously had a very successful 20 year career not 20 plus career tell me a little bit about maybe some of the highlights of your career that really kind of stand out in your mind so um, I will say just transitioning from from technology to law was a highlight in and of itself. Um, you know, I was used to in technology deriving everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got through chemistry with PV equals NRT, and I just <laughs> derived every formula from there. Um, when it came to physics, F equals MA, I derived everything from there. And I thought I was taking a shortcut, you know, that I would just derive these big formulas based on the units and, and you know, the starting formula. And so to me, that's how I, I got through that. And, and I love that. But when I got into the law, like A, realizing that there's no formula, you know, reading cases and not being able to discern like what the formula was for reaching the decision, that was challenging to me because it was not the way I was used to um, solving problems. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was a challenge. And then the memorizing, you know, I remember studying for the bar thinking, how am I even going to do this? Like, how am I going to, I've never memorized anything in my life. Like I've always relied on the ability to just derive things. And so to me, that was a personal challenge that I didn't know, you know, your brain adapts in a certain way. I didn't know if I could build the neural connections to get there in enough time. Um, So I will say that, that was a, that was a a challenge and a, and a highlight in a way. Um, I also think that every time I, tr- I take a risk uh, and that the client agrees to take the risk and it pans out. Those are highlights in and of themselves. Mm. And, you know, I had a situation this year where that happened where we got a claim construction. It was based on a brand new case that had come out, Poly America. And the judge was following Poly America and it seemed like the right decision, but the claim construction went against us. And I believe that we could overturn it on appeal because it was just one case. The federal circuit hadn't, you know, there weren't further cases and progeny based on Poly America at that point. And so I thought the way the law would play out, it would actually support our position. So I talked to the client about it and I suggested that we admit non-infringement. Hmm. So we were plaintiff. Hmm. So we were going to admit that we spent all this money hmm. and at the end of the day, the other side did not infringe. And the idea was to admit non-infringement, take it up on appeal, hopefully get the claim construction flipped, and then go back and try the case with a proper claim construction. Mm-hmm. And, and it panned out. I mean, it was, it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, we just tried the case in the ITC. Wow. Last week, the week, bef- the week before last, the judge was happy. The judge felt constrained by Poly America. He was happy that it was flipped by the commission. Um, so it, those are highlights to me in and of themselves mm. because you feel like you're making the decision based on intuition, 
though, you know, intuition's obviously like your right brain way of analyzing all the left brain data and coming up with, you know, a decision on that. Mm. Um, but it feels like a risk. And when, when those risks pan out, which luckily they do, um, <laughs> you know, th- those, those are highlights. Um, and then in terms of a third highlight, I think just the move to Winston and Strong to me is a highlight in my career. You know, I, and every firm is different and there's no right firm for everyone. But I think finding a firm where not only do you feel like you have power and the ability to affect change, but that you're, you're celebrated for what you bring to the table, mm-hmm. to me, it's huge. It's, it's a difference between having a headwind versus a tailwind. And like I said, it's not, this is not self-congratulatory or it's not about Winston in and of itself. It's, you know, th- there is a firm like that, I think, for everyone, maybe multiple, maybe multiple in-house positions. But to me, I feel like now I have the platform to take what I, what I bring to the table and really advance it to the next level. So that, that to me, is exciting. Now, do you feel like law, you talked about that early dilemma between, you know, not going too deep into technology, mm-hmm. but you, you want to stay with the technology. Do you feel like intellectual property actually gave you that nice balance? Or do you still feel some tension between, you know, getting too deep in the technology versus getting too deep in the law? I, I think it does provide just the right balance because, first of all, I've got a number of cases going on at one time in different technology areas. Um, second of all, I always work the technology side of the case. Mm-hmm. I never, I'm not, I mean, I, I know the damages side, but there's always somebody who's more of an expert at damages and that's, and they work the damages side. So I always get to be involved with the experts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like it's, so it's great to have like that wide variety of technology. I also feel like in order for me to be effective, I need to understand it at a level where I can challenge the experts. Mm-hmm. So if we're reading source code, I need to be able to understand the source code enough to understand you know, where we're jumping to and, and what the loop looks like and what the conclusion should be so that I can challenge the experts. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's rewarding not only because I get exposed to the technology, which is interesting, but also you know, I love having an expert on the stand where you, know, you understand at a level where you know what he or she will admit and not admit, and you can get exactly what you need for your client because you understand the technology mm. at a deeper level. Mm. Tell me about some of the advice that you give to younger lawyers now, which I'm sure you do a lot of mentoring to younger lawyers who want to get into IP, IP law. What, what kind of advice do you give them? So most of the advice I give is after people get into law, you know, in terms of younger lawyers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, there's, a, there's a few things. Number one, I mean, the number one thing to me is passion. Like, I think everybody has to have a passion for what they do. So I would give that advice to people looking to get into IP law or people who've already entered the law. And as I was mentioning earlier, I love that you do these interviews and that you have a passion for that. Like that, when I saw your interviews on LinkedIn, it was exciting because your, your passion sh- showed through in that. And I think that inspires a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone in life, not just in the law, should find something that they're really passionate about. And to me, the advice that I give lawyers is to find some... There's obviously a reason that they went into the law. What was that? Like, what do they really have a passion for? Do they have a passion for the technology? Do they like the argument? Do they... You know, what is it that they want to do? And shape a career around that. Mm. You know, be good at whatever it is that you have a passion for. Mm. And then I also... and, And be good is really, really important too. Because I know that we're teaching people to get out there. You need to network. You need to meet people. You need to speak. But the bottom line is, you got to be really good at what you do, or you're never going to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then in terms of the passion, to me, there there also should be a giving back part of it, which you're doing with your interviews. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's there's always some way to align something where you're giving back with with what 
you, with what you do. And so, you know, for me, I try and empower junior lawyers through the next gen effort where we're trying to get court orders out there encouraging junior lawyers to argue. I'm involved in a lot of efforts related to women and minorities and, um, and getting them the opportunities in the law. And, and so there's a lot, and, and, I, and I, on a one-on-one basis, help a lot of people. Well, it sounds like you obviously really enjoy what you do. I can hear the passion in your voice. Have you ever thought about, any, do you have any other things you think you could imagine doing, either you know, maybe being an in-house lawyer, maybe being a judge? Do you, can you envision anything else, or you really just like what you do and want to keep doing that? Well, maybe race car driver or neuroscientist. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the t- in my next lives, <laughs> and a better rower, but in my, in my next lives, I think I would be one of those. I love the brain and how it works. That, that would be fantastic. Uh, race car driver is also something that from time to time, I think uh, that, that would be great to do. Um, you know, in terms of my legal career, um, I will say that I think being at a law firm and, and being in the role that I have, number one, I would recommend it to everyone. I know statistically a lot of people leave the law, including disproportionately women and minorities. And I have to say, I've thought about in-house counsel positions. Um, you know, I was offered to go to Google as their second in-house lawyer. Oh I was goodness. being recruited for that. And not that I'm not kicking myself for not doing that one. Um, but for me, I love what I'm doing and I love I love the litigation part. You know, I was given opportunities, larger opportunities for leadership in law firms. And I love what I'm doing in Silicon Valley and growing the Silicon Valley office of Winston because it's aligned with my practice. And I feel that especially as a woman who's litigating, the the best power that I can have and the best role model I can be is being really good at going into court and litigating, mm. right? Just leading and then having yet another person not be litigating cases and showing up in court, to me, isn't advancing what I believe strongly in advancing. Well, Kathy, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your taking the time. If you do end up becoming a race car driver <laughs> or a neuroscientist, you'll have to come back and tell me about it. I will do that. Thank you. This is Richard Shu and Kathy Vidal. Thanks. Thanks.